так завяла, чаш ты девчина, так завяла, чаш ты девчина, так завяла, чаш ты девчина, так завяла. Я ты все сломала, дай направить, я ты все сломала, дай направить. Навчися ми милий господарь, навчися ми милий господарь. Навчися ми милий господарь, навчися ми милий господарь. Чарнячки подобают, а мы все чарнячки подобают. Что нам я так мило позирают, что нам я так мило позирают, что нам я так мило позирают, что нам я так мило позирают. And a delightful girl group from Montreal called Rosa with Cheyesh to Polechko, the unplowed field. Dobri vatsir, shanovni radio suhachi tavitayu vas vsih na radio peredachu nash holos radio krinsko ho korinia, katra podiacivam na bahatomovni radio stansi AM 1320 CHMB umisti vankuveri i pomaraji PCJ radio mijno rodnemu. Primikrofoni palvina makori diakuyush chorishole perabutazinoyu nastubnu hodenu. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver and in international syndication on PCJ Radio International. I'm your host, Paulette demchuk Macquarie, Pukrinska Pavlina. I'm delighted to have you with me. As you can hear, I've got a little bit of a cold, so I won't be talking too much on this show, but we do have a couple of um, spoken word features for you. Part one of an interview with Paulina Zalitsky, who is the author of The Sea is Only Knee Deep, which we reviewed not too long ago. Also one of Canada's... Uh, famous, you could say, defectors from the Soviet Union. So she'll be telling us all about her life growing up in the Soviet Union, working in Cuba during the second Cuban Missile Crisis in the late 1960s. So stay tuned for that as well. We have a book review on a resource put out by the Canadian Institute of Ukrainian Studies on Holodomor, and that is on Kunishka Corner. So all of that coming up as well, our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up now is a group from Toronto called Zubrivka from their most recent CD, I think, the most recent we have anyways, called Vecernitsi, which means evening party. And here they are with the wandering Cossack, Yichel Cossack. Išel kozak bez lis, bez liščinu, bez lis, bez liščinu, taj nadibal. Molodu dičinu, molodu dičinu, taj nadibal, molodu dičinu. Se diče do lička rumja noho, lička rumja noho, pere noču, 
Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada, which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com. Every day, more Ukrainian soldiers are killed or wounded by Russian invaders. You can help wounded heroes by joining the Adopt-A-Soldier program of registered charity Ukraine War Amps. 
A small monthly donation goes very far for medical services and living expenses and creates a special bond between you and a wounded hero. 100% of your contribution goes to the soldier. Please, adopt a soldier today. Visit ukrainewaramps.ca or find us on Facebook.
Marta Spak from Ukraine with a song of Tarashevchenko's lyrics put to music. It is called Zore Moya Vechirnaya, My Evening Star. Up next, Dovira from Toronto and another of Tarashevchenko's poems put to music, Yes Nasviti Dolya, Yes There Is Fortune on Earth. Есть на свете доля, кто ее знает. Есть на свете воля, кто ее знает. Есть на свете доля, кто ее знает. Есть на свете воля, кто ее знает. Есть люди на свете с рыбом злотом сяют. Здається, панують, а долі не мають. Ні долі, ні волі, снуть гою та згори, Жупа надіваються плакати сором. Візьміть срібло, злото, та будьте багаті, А я возьму сльози, виховиливати. Зато пляне доля, 
Welcome to Knishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, Ukrainian stories in English. In this edition of Knishka Corner, we will be discussing Valentina Koreliev's Holodomor in Ukraine, The Genocidal Famine, 1932-1933. Holodomor in Ukraine provides learning materials for teachers and students. But any reader would learn a great deal from this resource, which is a thorough examination of the Holodomor in Ukraine during the years 1932-33. It does not pretend to be a narrative or a comprehensive account of all aspects of the Holodomor, but it does provide a great deal of detail about causes, events, timelines, and the results of this horrific episode in Ukrainian history. Valentina Koreliv originally created this resource for her workshop, The Unknown Genocide, The Holodomor in Ukraine, 1932-33, which she presented at the Ontario History and Social Studies Teachers Association Conference in 2008. It includes materials for teachers to use in their classrooms, such as primary resources, lesson plans, background information, timelines, and learning activities. Taking a cross-curricular approach, Kureli has developed a very useful resource, which can be used across Canada and the United States at a variety of grade levels. The resource is divided into four sections, Introduction, Learning Resources, Learning Activities, and Appendix. Each section is full of information essential to a broader understanding of the Holodomor. The introduction gives readers a definition of the term Holodomor, as well as asking the important question, why study the Holodomor? This section calls on readers to examine the impact of genocide on the past, the present, and future generations. She presents 10 reasons to study the Holodomor, which include preventing future genocides, reducing prejudice and bullying, re-examining media coverage, and understanding totalitarian communist regimes. She concludes the chapter by explaining how the topic of the Holodomor meets the expectations of programs of study for several Canadian provinces. In the subsequent three chapters, Kurelu goes into great detail about the causes, events, media coverage, and effects of the Holodomor. In the Learning Resources section, readers will find insightful articles on Ukraine's history, as well as the Holodomor, including background information, events, implementation, causes, media coverage, and current status. There are timelines, details about individuals and related issues, as well as quotations, eyewitness accounts, primary documents, and a glossary. In the Learning Activities section, teachers will find detailed learning activities with a decidedly cross-curricular approach. There are activities for art appreciation, short story analysis, book reviews, jigsaw, 
media literacy, and writing. The final section, Appendix, is filled with resources and supplementary materials which will be very useful for students, teachers, researchers, and readers interested in learning more about Ukraine during the years of the Holodomor. For Kuriliu, this book was a very personal creation. She dedicates it to the memory of her parents, who survived the horrors of the Holodomor. She has created an important addition to the historical record about the Holodomor in Ukraine from 1932 to 33. The historical analysis is detailed and insightful. The writer has obviously done a great deal of research about this topic. The graphic elements, maps, photographs, paintings, diagrams, text boxes, quotations, teacher tips, are very well laid out and easy to follow. The primary documents and first-person accounts of the Holodomor are very revealing. The writings of the disgraced journalist Walter Durante of the New York Times reveal the wholesale cover-up of the Holodomor by the Soviet regime. There is no actual starvation or deaths from starvation, but there is widespread mortality from disease due to malnutrition. This resource deals with important historical issues, such as human rights, freedom, and media responsibility, while providing a very readable analysis for all readers of the events and outcomes of the Holodomor in Ukraine during the years 1932 and 33. Valentina Kureliu is an educator, an advocate for human rights. She is the daughter of Holodomor survivors, who has worked for over a decade to include the Holodomor in curricula across Canada. She taught Ukrainian school for many years and fostered a love of Ukrainian history in her students. She has published a text for teachers in Ukraine to promote critical and historical thinking skills entitled Metodika Vekladana Istoriye, Methodology for Teaching History. She has contributed to the Holodomor Mobile Classroom, organized the Holodomor Education Conference held in Winnipeg in 2017, and worked as the Director of Education at the Holodomor Research and Education Consortium at the Canadian Institute of Ukrainian Studies of the University of Alberta. Koreliu is a resident of Toronto, Ontario. Holodomor in Ukraine is available from the Canadian Institute of Ukrainian Studies. Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another edition of Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio.
Nase Kirikesha with Fatamorgana and Yakyamayu Juretisya. I have some worries. This is CHMB AM 1320, Vancouver. <laughs> Чорні брови, мила моя, 
Я несу любов за журу, мрію молоду. І сади цвіту для тебе, я до тебе йду. And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now. Brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. A couple of weeks ago, on Ukrainian Jewish Heritage, we aired a book review of the memoirs of a Jewish woman from Odessa, an engineer who worked on a nuclear submarine station in Cuba during the height of the Cold War shortly before a daring defection from the Soviet Union to Canada. Her name is Paulina Zelitsky, and her two-volume memoir reads like a John Kerry spy thriller, only it's a true story. When I reached out to her this week to get a photo for the blog post with the transcript on the Nationalist website, Paulina dropped a bombshell, almost but not quite literally speaking, about an alarming development today that makes her story less a memoir than perhaps a prophecy. Paulina Zaletsky defected in 1971 with her two young sons and later brought her family members. To say that she has been a contributing member of Canadian society since day one is an understatement of vast proportions, but that's a story for another time. Today we'll talk about her book and her life in Cuba, the former Soviet Union, and her harrowing defection to Canada. Paulina Zalitsky joins me now by phone from her home in southern Ontario. Paulina, welcome, Vitayu. Thank you so much for coming on our show. I am so pleased to speak to you, Paulette. Thank you. Now, you you said that we've got sort of the same name. Now, you're really Paulina. <laughs> That's your yes, real name. Yes. You, see, you see, my grandmother, she was Paulette. Because she was born in France. What? That is crazy. Yes, that my is... grandmother. Pel- Pel- <laughs> and my she was killed in pogrom in Odessa. Yes, yes, that's in your book. That's Pe- right. And Pe- her son, my father, in her name, named me after her. Okay. But because he couldn't give French name in Soviet Union, because then I would be grown up as an enemy of people. Right. Everything that was foreign was an enemy. He ratified it to Paulina. That's crazy, because my real name is Paulette, and Mm -hmm. um, it's Paulina on the radio, because uh, when I started this radio program back in 1990, I had had two co-hosts, or Yevhen and Bogdan, and then there's Paulette. Well, what kind of a Ukrainian program person, you know, is this. You know, I wanted a Ukrainian name too. And my baba called me Pavlina. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll be Pavlina on the radio. So, um, you know, I'll fit in with the other two guys that had Ukrainian names. That wasn't anywhere near as, as dangerous and dire a situation as yours, but that's just crazy. And here we are, Pavlina and Pavlina, having a radio conversation. 
<laughs> yes, yes, indeed, indeed. And um, it's almost like in Canada, we're all sisters. Yeah, and it's, I have to uh, tell you that after reading your book, I feel like I know you. Your writing style is incredible. It's very personal. You weave in the technical details so well. There's background information. It is a bit long in two volumes, but I would say that's not so much a criticism. You need that background context to understand what happened to you. That's a, that's a huge story. And so it also relates to something, which is why we're talking right now, that you told me a couple of days ago what's going on in the world right now in Cuba, literally the third Cuban Missile Crisis. But before we get to that, can you just give our listeners who haven't read the book and maybe don't know much about Cuba or um, you know Soviet his- history from that time at all, give us a, a, kind of an overview of, of what the story is, your story, what happened? Well, Cuba, Castro's Cuba that I described, is from the perspective of young Soviet female engineer working there in late 1960s. At that time, uh, it was only the beginning of Soviet satellite because Cuba became already Soviet satellite in earlier period in uh, '62. Remember, uh, Caribbean crisis yes. in '62. Yeah, there was there was a threat of of nuclear attack. Yes, it's called Caribbean crisis, okay. and uh, almost had terrible consequence because probably if the accident would be realized the way it almost happened, it almost happened that way, we would not exist today to speak. Nor you, not me, not anybody else. Wow. You understand that consequence of nuclear war is very different from any previous wars mm-hmm. because it exterminates all life. It's impossible to survive. And so you call the Caribbean crisis, um, I guess, in your part of the world where you were then, we called it the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yes. Narrowly averted. But from what I was reading, and I had no idea, Fidel Castro was a lunatic. He's a loose cannon. And it was him. It wasn't maybe necessarily the Russians that, or was it? No, no, no. Russians were negotiating. You see, Khrushchev just wanted to get... American missiles out of Turkey. Oh. I describe in my book as yes. one day resting in Crimea, in his dachy in Crimea, he suddenly noticed over the horizon there are American javelin missiles in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And he decided he will get rid of them. That's why he brought nuclear missiles to Cuba. And Kennedy had to remove Javelin missiles from Turkey in order to do this deal with Khrushchev. And the deal was that no more Soviet nuclear missiles will be brought to Cuba. Right, that was detente, yeah. That was detente in 62. Mm -hmm. But this detente was broke. When I came to Cuba in 68, I started working with a group of Soviet designers. It was a Navy group to construct facilities for Soviet submarines that would come secretly under the water and uh, have their base in Cienfuegos. Yeah, in southern Cuba. It is southern Cuba, that's right. Right. You know, it's not so obvious because it's the other side of Cuba. 
is the only very deep bay in Cuba. There is no other bay as deep as Cienfuegos, except the entrance channel. And it's all very hard rock. So to excavate that entrance channel, we spent some time, two years. Yeah, and you were what? And I was working with that group because I was in Cuba, not because I was sent by Soviet Union to Cuba to work on nuclear base, military nuclear base. Oh, no. I came to Cuba with my Cuban ex-husband. I married Cuban. Yeah, you met in university and uh, got married there and moved to Cuba. Yeah, I met a student in my university whom I married. I truly fall in love with him. It wasn't an arranged marriage, nothing like that. It was a romantic marriage. And uh, after graduation, my husband, I, and our two children went to live and work in Cuba. I started working in Cuba with a group of civil engineers that were building port in Cienfuegos for commercial cargo. The presence of this commercial port would kind of masquerade mm-hmm. the existence of submarine facilities. Right. Every time they would see any movement in the port and people would be removed, they were removed from that area. They were told it's construction of commercial port. So I started working with that civil group in commercial port. But we we were working in the same big hall in the Ministry of Transport. The Navy group was separated from us and we didn't communicate at all with them. It was forbidden Mm -hmm. to communicate with them. Oh. Yeah. But what happened was that uh, the the Navy group lost their translator. Translator was arrested. Arrested. Yeah. And this translator was my friend. I really had a very, very nice relationship with her. Mm-hmm. She was originally from Odessa herself. Oh. Yeah. She also was a Jewish woman mm-hmm. from Odessa. But her parents escaped during the Second World War and came to Cuba. Mm -hmm. And uh, she became professional translator, which later was brought to Soviet Union and trained, had security clearance, appropriate security clearance, to work with Navy Group. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, they arrested her. I don't know what happened. I don't know why they arrested her. But Navy Group was translator, and they needed translator. And because there were about 40,000 troops in Cuba at the time, 40,000, Wow! they needed many translators. Now, just before you go on with that, that the translator that they arrested, who you replaced mm-hmm. from, from Odessa, gave you something to read. Yes. <laughs> Did that plant the seed of defection in you? Yes, indeed, indeed, very much indeed, because I never read Solzhenitsyn before. It was Solzhenitsyn, a very famous Mm -hmm. uh, writer, that wrote about Gulag. Yes. And of course, it was prohibited in Soviet Union, Mm -hmm. so I never read it before. She gave me to read it in Spanish language. Oh. 
So I had to use dictionary and word by word translate, you know, for myself. Uh, hiding from my husband, hiding from everybody because it was forbidden, <laughs> forbidden wow. fruit. Wow. Yeah. And I was scared that she was arrested. Now they will come and arrest me. No kidding. Yeah. So after I was informed that I have to come to embassy, that they request my presence at the embassy officially, I was really scared. Sure. But when I came, they told me that they need me to help the Navy group. This is how I started working with that Navy group. Wow. I didn't have security clearance, you see. Wow. Being Jewish, right. it's difficult to get security clearance, and I didn't have one. Right. Plus, plus you also avoided getting into the, the politics. You refused to join Komsomol. You did. Yes, I refused to join all politics. And exactly. you, you, you daydreamed in when you were in school. You daydreamed during the indoctrination sessions. <laughs> Well, I don't know if if you remember that story, but when I was six years old, I almost uh, sent my father and myself to Gulag. Yes, yeah. This taught me lesson. Yeah, this is... This and spanking too. My father gave me a big spanking for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that's why, because from the very early age, I started learning that uh, the wonderful life, uh, our wonderful life in Soviet Union was um, complete, uh, it, it was lie. Yeah. We were prisoners. Mm. I understood. I understood because I experienced personally that all these uh, meetings, all these political organizations, Pioneer, Komsomol, and Communist Party, they're not only free ticket to a better career, you know, mm-hmm. and progressive lifestyle. No, no. They are also commitment to obey all orders and never to argue. Yeah. yeah never to have your own opinion. Uh, you only have to obey. And this what happens today as well. Everywhere in Cuba and North Korea, mm-hmm. all those countries that profess... Uh, political uh, dictatorial system. Mm-hmm. So you ended up then translating. You had no security clearance, yes. but you were privy to this top secret information because you were translating. But they had to because they couldn't find translator who would know terminology. I yeah. knew all the construction marine terminology. Mm. I was working in it, right? On the civil side, right. but still in the same field. Right. So I was the one who knew terminology in both languages. Hmm. That's why they used me. And they couldn't find anybody else. So I started working with the Navy group and became privy to kind of work they were doing. I would say that this was not my main drama. My main drama really was a request to denounce, uh, to write reports. Actually, every few weeks, I had to submit a formal report about what my colleagues are thinking, doing, and so on. Yikes. My Soviet colleagues. And I couldn't, I couldn't force myself doing that. 
Wow. So you were supposed to find, snitch and make up things if necessary. Everybody's supposed to do that. Wow. Everyone. Wow. Everyone. We all know that those Soviets that uh, worked abroad, I don't know about today, but in that period, they all had to write. It was obligatory. They had to submit by such date reports about their colleagues. And I couldn't force myself to do that you at were, all. You were chirpy. You said, um, everybody's great. I, I'm thankful to work with such yeah, wonderful people. Yeah, what a wonderful. I was I was writing about their jokes, you know, <laughs> oh. about about their hairstyles, whatever I could imagine to to put on paper. You're a real rebel, and that sure comes out in your book. <laughs> I would think you would act the same way if you would be in my place. Oh, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people weren't. I mean, you, you're a rarity because, as you say, so many of your colleagues lived in fear and they capitulated. You didn't. Even though, I, it's very true. Even though and you, I paid price for it. <laughs> you did. You did. You worked through, but you worked through your fear and you did it. But one thing I should tell you. Yeah. I was not brave. I was scared to death. Oh, well, for sure, of course. But what is they, they say about courage is that you're afraid, but you, you do it anyways. You work through the fear and you do. You have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to force yourself. Exactly. And so um, you have personal things going on in your life, too. Your marriage was starting to get a little rocky. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, um, an old family friend that um, you trusted, um hit on you and you escaped being raped and exactly by him can yeah. you imagine he was yeah. my substitute father yeah your father's friend yeah you know what and that that's such a common story for women and uh it's happened to me too I mean, it always takes you by surprise like what yeah you know like you're old enough to be my father my grandfather and you want what exactly uh, plus you probably would sympathize with me I couldn't tell about that to anyone oh no well in in those days it would endanger your career well actually yeah that's true uh what am I saying um I was the same I kept it to myself you it's not something you talk mm-hmm. about because then then you're the one that suffers exactly exactly plus when I when I uh spoke to my father about it I was endangering his health yes because he almost had heart attack yeah yeah and I was afraid to tell to my husband because my husband could react violently. Yeah. I wouldn't want him to do that. Yeah. But what happened is because my supervisor who almost raped me, I didn't let him to. Yeah. I fought. Thanks to your dad, he taught you the kick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this was very handy kick. Um <laughs> But I, I was afraid I killed him. <laughs> um, so when it happened, he was scared that I will denounce him. So he went to embassy before me and denounced me. Yeah, preemptive strike. Yeah, preemptive strike. Yes. So I was in a big trouble. Yeah. Plus, uh, my notes. I never wrote those reports. I I decided, or I get out in time, or I will end up in prison, so I better go. So then you started to seriously look at defection. You chose Canada. You knew nothing about it, not a word of English, never heard a word of English. Yes. But yes. you decided Canada. And 
a fueling stop in Gander. Mm-hmm. And you, the first time was unsuccessful. You did it twice. You tried twice. Twice. <laughs> yes, first time they cut me. I'm speaking with Paulina Zalitsky, author of the book, The Sea is Only Knee Deep, her personal story of growing up Jewish in the Soviet Ukraine, working in Cuba at a naval base during the second Cuban Missile Crisis, and her famous defection to Canada in 1971. In part two, Paulina will tell us about her harrowing escape from the Soviet Union to Canada, and will also explain why she believes, based on her experience during the second Cuban Missile Crisis, that a third Cuban Missile Crisis has begun. Join us next week for part two of this interview with Paulina Zalitsky, author of The Sea is Only Knee Deep. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com. Listening to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio, our flagship show in Vancouver, here on AM 1320 CHMB and in international syndication on PCJ Radio International. In between broadcasts, please visit us online at www.nasholos.com, where you'll find transcripts and archived audio files, a link to the Nasholos podcast, and information about the show, as well as a link to our Patreon site if you would like to support our work. На жаль, ми вже скінчили нашу програму. Всі часто дому і сказати до побачення. Але перед тим я хочу залишити вас такими словами мудрості. Хто краде і ховає, той не серце, але камінь в душі має. And our proverb of the week translates as whoever steals and hides has a heart of stone. And with that, we've come to the end of our program, so we'll wrap it up with The Sweet Fern Waltz by the Ukrainian old-timers from Winnipeg. I'm Pavlina on behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320. Thanks for listening and Dobranich!
enjoyed this edition of the show. If you're not yet a Patreon supporter, I hope I can convince you to become one today with the digital equivalent of a cup of coffee once or twice a month. Or if you're feeling really generous and can afford it, maybe even a snack or a meal. There's an option for every budget. What does becoming a Patreon donor get you besides the good feeling that comes with knowing you're supporting a good cause? Well, I'm hoping you'll also become a part of the show itself by providing story ideas and connecting with Ukrainian artists and artisans looking for free publicity. Your contribution will also help to preserve a well-established on-air and online venue and ensure that future generations will be able to enjoy the music and other Nasholos programming that you currently do. If you're ambivalent about Patreon but would still like to donate or contribute ideas to the show, please send an email via the contact page on our website. To become a Patreon supporter, just go to www.patreon.com and search for Nash Holos. That's Patron with an E, spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Or go to www.nashholos.com and click on the orange Patreon button on any page there. It'll take you to our page where you can choose your level of support. Thank you for listening and for your support. Shirodiakuyu. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.